Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good Tuesday morning to you and we'll certainly take that nice spring weather that we have and when the sun comes out and it almost feels like the, the sun on your skin, the heat of the sun, it's just, you know, it means summer is on the way and we can all do with a bit of sunshine, I think, this year. You're welcome along to the programme. We've got Bernie sitting in for John Paul this week, taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Texts and uh, are already up and running. If you want to text the programme this morning, you can to 0862103103 and we mentioned it yesterday that they're just this we are definitely in another wave a second wave of Omicron when it comes to COVID-19 and so many people seem to be testing positive now certainly anybody that I know that I'm aware of that is is getting it the majority of people are f- are fine with it it's just they have to isolate they have to remain at home some people some people I have to say are feeling a little bit unwell uh, with it but you know the good news is that the vaccines do seem to be holding up the vaccines are certainly doing what they said that they would do in that people who are picking up COVID-19 are not becoming very unwell you may have some people who are just you know feeling rotten for a couple of days and people ending up with a barking cough and you're kind of hearing of people with the tiredness seems to be the huge issue for a number of people but at least we were not at a stage that we were at before the vaccines where there was the danger that you could end up in hospital and God knows we lost too many people to COVID since the start of this uh, pandemic but a sharp decline in the wearing of masks is definitely having an effect on the numbers of people who are now testing positive for COVID-19. Would you believe over the bank holiday weekend uh, I think it was the four days from the Thursday through to uh, Monday morning just under 64,000 new cases of COVID-19 were recorded Now, the worry is that hospitals are already under extreme pressure and the numbers who have COVID-19 in hospital 
also increasing. We're now at 13 1,308, that was up to yesterday and I don't know if that figure is slightly up or down. Again, about 50% of the patients are in for something else but then they test positive for COVID-19 and it's the knock-on effect then that it has on the hospital. Again, the numbers in ICU, stable enough. These are the most seriously uh, ill but they still are the the highest they've been uh, in almost a year. There's 49 people now seriously ill uh, inside in ICU Uh, and of, of course with the numbers having COVID-19 or positive with COVID-19 in hospital for something else the problem is that that then is leading to the cancellation of procedures people on waiting uh, lists because of infection control the hospital can't do anything about it they have to close down certain beds hospital there's extra extra work has to go into nursing somebody minding somebody who has COVID-19 and the knock-on effect then people who had an elective procedures are getting phone calls to say it's been cancelled and that's got wrenching to people because many people have been on waiting lists for an elective procedure for a long, long time to suddenly then get a phone call to say, sorry, your appointment has had to be cancelled because we've had an outbreak of COVID in the hospital. The government said health officials are again ruling out a return to restrictions. That's not going to happen. But what's interesting is there's an ERSI tracker survey is out. And this, these are one of these, I love looking at the ERSI the ESRI service. It's basically the ones where they measure people's behaviour and they do it sort of year on year as to how people are coping with everything and, and how people are doing. And the latest survey reveals how swift people were to ditch the face masks after they were no longer compulsory. It's now nearly a month ago. It was the 28th of February that we were told it wasn't compulsory, even though the advice and the advice still remains uh, the same. Uh, while it's not compulsory to wear a mask, it is recommended and suggested that you wear a mask, particularly in very crowded uh, situations. This uh, survey is showing there's a steep drop in the reported wearing of face masks on public transport and in shops and that was in a week of the mask mandate being lifted. People decided they were ditching the mask. Almost all close contact meetups are now conducted without a face mask and that's particularly happening amongst colleagues in the workplace. The ESRI survey found just two thirds of shoppers and public transport users were wearing masks despite the fact that there is strong public health advice to continue doing them both on public transport and if you're in a a shop. And I at the weekend, if you'd asked me before the weekend, I would have said no, I'm seeing quite a high compliance of where I'm going. I'm seeing people, I'm still wearing my mask but and, and I certainly was coming across lots and lots of other people wearing masks but I noticed at the weekend and yesterday to pop in to do some shopping after I finished uh, the programme and I would say if, if there was 20% of us inside in the supermarket I was in wearing a mask then we were doing well. Now it did coincide with lunchtime there's a local school and the kids, the young people were in, uh, picking up their snacks uh, for lunch and before they all would have been wearing masks but none of them were wearing masks uh, this time around. But the lifting of the restrictions has had a beneficial impact on the nation's well-being and this is this is the the good part of this uh, survey it's showing that well-being rose for the first time this year and it's been at the highest we're feeling our best it's been the highest since last summer and that's been seen across all of the age groups but it is strongest in the people under the age of 50. More people are going out and about for a walk, for a run or for a cycle and many people would have started that during the earlier lockdowns and it's good to know that a lot of people are 
keeping up those good habits. A majority of people judged their mental health as being the same or better compared to before the pandemic and just very few regarded it as worse. Over half of the people say their social life is the same or better than it was before the pandemic and the survey found that for young people the link between well-being and their social life is particularly strong. I don't think there's any surprise uh, in that and the extent to which people felt lonely also has dropped even though we're going to be doing a piece on loneliness later on with uh, Joe Heffernan because unfortunately the one thing that the pandemic has done it has led to a spike in loneliness amongst some people and in certain age groups so we are going to be giving advice around loneliness today on the programme and people were also asked as part of this survey how they felt the government had been responding and they felt the majority who were asked felt that the government had their response to the pandemic has been uh, appropriate. Now Paul Reid of the HSE yesterday called on those within the 700,000 group of people who are ready for a COVID-19 booster shot. Now that's almost three quarters of a million people who are due a booster shot who haven't come forward yet. He's saying they really need to start coming forward. Now the reason why there's so many in that group of people, some people who were just about due to get a booster ended up getting diagnosed with COVID-19 and obviously then they weren't able to get, they had to wait. I think it's a month, is it a month long period from when you get a diagnosis if you're due a booster. So there are a lot of people in that cohort of people who were due a booster, couldn't get it because they got COVID-19 and then there's others who've just become available they're within the range now for the booster. The, the, you're asked to please come forward to go to one of the vaccination clinics there as we mentioned yesterday when I was chatting with uh, Peter Weedle of Weedle's Pharmacy in Mallow, they're running vaccination clinics as are other uh, some doctors practice very few doctors practice are doing it but maybe check in with your local doctor but check in with your local pharmacies because the pharmacies have really really played a blinder when it's come to rolling out the vaccine so check in with your local pharmacy to see if they have a clinic running if you are one of those people that's due a booster because the evidence is strongly there that the booster is still providing really strong protection against severe disease. None of the vaccines are going to stop us picking up COVID-19. That's up to the mask wearing, the hand washing, minding yourself when you're out and about. And even for people who've minded themselves, they've still managed to pick it up. But at least if all of your vaccines are up to date and if you were due a booster and you got your booster, you know you're going to have the strongest possible protection against becoming very unwell, needing hospital care or God forbid ending up in ICU. And it's all down to this new BA2. It's a sub-variant of the Omicron that's doing the rounds at the moment and of all of the variants that have come out, this is the one that is the most highly transmissible and that's why we're hearing of so many people uh, picking it up and around half of the patients in hospital with COVID-19 as we mentioned they're there because they, they were in with complications for, for, some, for, for some other disease or some other condition but unfortunately when they get tested they turned out that they also have uh, COVID-19 and seemingly hospitals by the way are also under pressure as well I was reading about the number of staff absences so obviously if a staff member comes down with COVID-19 they're going to have to self-isolate so the, there's about 4,000 I think are out of work at the moment unwell not all of them have COVID-19 but many of them do and that's causing problems for the hospitals as well so uh, we, need to, we need to work on lowering the numbers of COVID-19 for sure and just staying on COVID you, 
The reason that as well that I certainly always wear a mask, obviously I'm wearing a mask to try to protect myself as well, but of course we wear masks to protect other people rather than ourselves. And I'm very conscious and very aware of vulnerable people and you don't know when you're out and about who you're going to meet. You don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. You don't know if somebody's very nervous about being out in the supermarket because they might be immune compromised or they could have a family member at home that they're immune compromised. And, you know, I'm always thinking of carers who are you know doing such family care who are doing some fantastic work at home and they need to get out to get the provisions in and they're nervous every time they step outside their front door because they're being so careful at home looking after their loved one. They need to go out to get whatever they need to buy and they're terrified that they're going to bring COVID back in with them and that's one of the reasons why we wear masks to make those other people feel a little bit safer. And I had a message in yesterday kind of summing up this nervousness around COVID that reads, Patricia, please don't read out my name, but I'm texting on behalf of my brother. He is due to get the NCT done on his car this coming Saturday. And as the mask mandate is gone, he is very, very fearful of picking up COVID as he is a full-time carer for a family member. Would it be possible for you to contact the head office of NCT to see if anything could be done for my brother so that when he gets to the NCT centre to do his, have his car NCT'd, that perhaps the man doing the testing on his car might wear a mask just to give some peace of mind and comfort to my uh, brother. Uh, could you give him any other advice, please, to settle his mind before he's going as he's really afraid of COVID? Now, what we have done is, I got that in yesterday, we have sent an email off to NCT just to see if anything could be done to accommodate this gentleman because I'm sure... He, you're not, he's not the first person to have gone for an NCT who's nervous about it. The only thing I will say, you know, the people that work at all of these NCT uh, centres are all really good with dealing with members of the public. What I'd also suggest is you do is, as a family, maybe you could do it yourself, maybe contact the NCT centre to give, you know, the exact time that your brother is coming in. Explain how nervous uh, he is and make them aware of it before you actually attend in person. But in the meantime, we have sent an email off to the NCT, to the powers that be to see. Because as I say, don't think that you're going to be the first person to turn up who's a little bit nervous about it. So we'll see, have they maybe a procedure in place or protocols in place to handle people that are just a little bit nervous and maybe feeling a little bit vulnerable. But in the meantime, that would be my advice to you is to ring. I don't, I do. And now I'm saying ring the centres and someone will probably tell me they probably don't have phones, do they, that they actually answer inside in the centres or, or not? Or or could you or a family member call in in person to the centre in advance of Saturday to explain what's going on in your brother's life? Just to try to, to do everything that you can to try to allay his fears. But I'm sure he will be fine. He seems like he's been doing everything right to protect himself and in order to protect the uh, family member. But it, it is tough. It is There are a lot of people who are just so, so scared of being out and about because of COVID-19. But again, if, if your brother and the family member if everything is up to date with all of their vaccines, remember the vaccines and the boosters are giving him the best protection possible that if, God forbid, he did get COVID-19, that he wouldn't become very unwell. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862.
103103. 103. Thank you, Maura, on the NCT. Says Maura, Maura says, Trish, I recently had an NCT on my car at the Killarney NCT Centre. They were masked and all wearing gloves. You don't turn up until five minutes beforehand, so there isn't big queues of people uh, there. It was They were all very professional lads, says Maura. Oh, that's good to hear. Thank you for that. That might give peace of mind to our listener who contacted us on behalf of his uh, brother. So thank you uh, for that. And then someone else was on the same petition. What was the address of the place you mentioned who are collecting food, item and toiletries for Ukraine? It's on the Limerick Road in Mallow, says John. It is the Carnies of Mallow. It's the bus company in Mallow. They are placing a bus. It's at the Mallow Motor Factors the Mallow Motor Factors and it's on the Limerick Road. It's this Saturday morning from 9.30 to 2. Now they have specific items that they're looking for. They are looking for food items, non-perishable but it's going to be canned goods like canned meat. Um, you could also hand in things because listening to Katrina Toomey yesterday, things like pot noodles and bags of noodles, things like that. Um, cans of tuna, cans of salmon, things like, things like that would be that can just be popped open and eaten on the go and then obviously they're looking for the toiletries like the shower gels, the shampoos, toilet rolls, toothbrushes, toothpaste, deodorants, nappies, baby formula, any sort of sanitary items, baby wipes. And then on from a medicine point of view, Calpol and Panadol, pain relief is what they're looking for. And then if you want to throw in something nice for the kids, colouring books and pencils and chocolate. Everybody loves chocolate. So it'll be, be at the Mallow Motor Factors on the Limerick Road this Saturday from half nine until two. And well done to everybody. Carnies of Mallow, the coach company who are organising that. And then they'll bring it back to Sheehan's Butcher's Warehouse in Quartertown where it gets loaded onto an Arctic truck and then it'll whiz its way over to Ukraine. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. As we mentioned yesterday, the European Medicines Agency has approved for patient use in all EU countries, including us here in uh, Ireland, what is seen as a breakthrough obesity drug. To tell us more about Wegovy, I'm joined by Dr Mick Crotty, an obesity specialist with My Best Clinic in Dublin. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning. And How you, are you today? I'm very well. And uh, am I pronouncing it right? Wegovy? Yeah, Wegovy. Wegovy. I think yeah. it's a, it, okay. it might be different in Dublin and Cork. And okay. Think, okay. Where we're from. <laughs> Do you feel this new drug will provide great promise for people living with obesity? Definitely. Um, this is the, the most effective medication that has been kind of licensed to date. Um, it's very safe. It's very effective. Um, and it's, you know, it's a very viable long-term treatment for, for people, you know, living with excess weight. Um, now, obviously, this medication is not intended as a cosmetic aesthetic thing to, you know, for people just to lose weight kind of cosmetically. This is a prescription medication um, that is um, indicated for people who are living with excess weight and, and that weight is having an impact on their health, whether it be their psychological health, their mechanical health or, or their medical or metabolic health. So if if weight is causing negative impacts on our health, then this medication is uh, very promising as far as managing that long term and, and gaining health really rather than losing weight. Can you outline how it works? Yeah, so these, these, this group of medications were initially developed for diabetes and, and they work very well on helping with blood sugar and insulin. But uh, what it is, is uh, it's a medication that mimics a fullness hormone that we have in our body. So that hormone communicates with 
subconscious parts of our brain that regulate hunger, fullness, and the kind of reward from food. So we know that in somebody who's living with weight issues, the, the levels of hunger in the brain are higher, the levels of fullness are not as much, and, and there is a kind of hyperactivity of the reward pathways in the brain. This medication treats that biological issue to turn down the biological drive towards food so that people are not getting the symptoms of you know, excess hunger, lack of fullness. Uh, and it, it makes it easier then for those people you know, naturally to, to take in less um, long term and, and weight will follow that as a result. So would a patient then have to stay on it long term? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So this, this is the same as taking a, a medication for blood pressure or cholesterol or asthma. Uh, this is a lifelong medication. Uh, it will work while we take it. If we stop the medication, the issue comes back. We know that you know, the, that, you know, 80 to 90% of people who successfully lose weight with kind of diet and exercise long term will regain that weight. And that's because within, again, that subconscious kind of caveman, cavewoman part of our brain, we have almost like a thermostat for weight that is set at the highest weight we have been. And our body will fight hammer and tongs to try and get us back to that weight. So, you know, if we are, you know, on a diet or trying to lose weight intentionally, you know, and our weight is coming down, our body realizes that and it changes hormonal levels to increase our hunger, to reduce our fullness. It can slow down our metabolism, but it's all geared to try and keep our weight up and stop us losing weight. So, so that's why this medication kind of counteracts that biology uh, and will work while people take it. And how is it administered? Uh, so it's a once a week, um, what we call a subcutaneous injection. So once a week injection just underneath the skin. Uh, it uses a pen very much similar to, to pens that, that we use for diabetes and, and other medications. People inject it themselves at home. So they screw on the tiniest little needle, they dial up the dose and then they administer it themselves. Uh, and these are the, you know, the, the, these type of pens are used kind of every day by, by kids and by adults kind of, you know, treating other medical conditions. Uh, but this will be a once a week uh, injection underneath the skin. Can a GP pre- prescribe it or is it only from a consultant or an obesity ex- expert like yourself? So uh, it will be somebody who, you know, it can be prescribed by any medical professional that, that feels kind of comfortable prescribing it. Um, certainly as far as, you know, this, this is not an isolated treatment. We know if we combine it with behavioural support, medical nutrition therapy, um, you know, um, if we combine it with kind of psychological uh, interventions, people will do better long term. So, you know, it's something that will be able to be prescribed by GPs as long as they're comfortable doing it. Whenever new medications kind of come in, uh, a lot of times there's a little bit of a reluctance or, or kind of, you know, people might be slow in taking them up. Um, but, you know, long term, this is going to be um, a real kind of game changer for people who are living with, with excess weight. Yeah, as I mentioned, the outset, it is, it is the real breakthrough uh, obesity uh, drug. How much weight could a person expect to lose? So in, in the studies, the average weight loss was about 17% um, of body weight, but four out of 10 people lost more than 20% of their body weight. That's so incredible. It, it really, it's the first kind of medication that is starting to approach kind of bariatric surgery levels of weight loss. We know with bariatric surgery, people will lose anywhere from 20 to kind of 35%. Um, but, but this is really kind of, you know, starting to approach that with the medication, which is exceptionally exciting. And of course, the danger for somebody who is battling with obesity, they can go on to develop other conditions. 
Yeah, so we know that not every person living in a bigger body is going to have negative impairment of health as a result, but you know, statistically it does increase our risk of many medical conditions, whether it be, you know, diabetes, blood pressure, fatty liver, you know, um, arthritis and different things. So so again, the idea would be that somebody who's high risk for those issues or already has those issues, by managing weight, we can improve their health, we can improve their function, psychological well being and, you know, prevent complications and issues from weight long term um, and, and that's really the key is this is all about health it's not about numbers on a scale this is about improving people's health and well-being so you know so their quality of life and things. Okay and I can see a number of people all asking the same question how much does a drug like this cost? Yeah and, and the challenge is so uh, it's just been approved by the European Medicines Agency we're, we're not sure what the price point is going to be uh, initially it's certainly not covered by medical card drug payment scheme or long term illness so it'll be something people pay for out of pocket and that's really why we need to fight for reimbursement to these medications you know we wouldn't have people not getting reimbursement for blood pressure medications asthma medications this should be considered the exact same way and that's something we need to really address with the government because long term you know we know the benefits to the healthcare system by intervening earlier and treating people before they have complications yeah and i mean the numbers of people with obesity in the, in this country how many people do you reckon have obesity so we know that probably about a, probably about a million people in ireland wow. are affected by obesity 60% of the irish adult population are living with overweight or obesity um so this this is the challenge it's, it's an ever increasing problem um, because of, again, genetic predisposition, the environment we live in, stress, sleep, you know, this is not due to a lack of willpower, lack of motivation. This is a much more complicated medical issue, um, you know, that people live with. So, you know, I, I often tell my patients, telling somebody who's living with excess weight to eat less and move more long term is like telling somebody with depression to cheer up. It's yeah. an oversimplification. This is much more complicated. Um, and this is why, you know, people who, who are trying to manage the weight, it's so frustrating frustrating and so, um, you know, so challenging. Okay, and now that it's been approved by the EMA, are, are there people in Ireland already on this drug? So this same medication we use for diabetes um, already at lower doses, so now at higher doses it's going to be used for, for weight. Um, so there are people using it for diabetes already. There are other medications similar that we use for, for weight management. This particular one, the, the um, semaglutide 2.4 milligrams or Wegovi, it'll probably realistically be about six months before it's um, physically available in Ireland in pharmacies. OK, all right, but it's, it's certainly it's a good news uh, story for anybody living with obesity. Listen, Mick, we leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks no, for joining no. us. Good morning to Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. That is Dr Mick Crotty, who is with My Best Weight Clinic, which is based in Blackrock in Dublin on that new obesity drug, Wegovy. One, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more about into the future. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, part-time firefighters are finding it increasingly difficult to get full-time jobs in County Cork because they would need to be absent when attending emergency call-outs. The issue has been raised by West Cork Fianna Fáil Councillor Joe Carroll, who joins me this morning. Good morning to Joe. Good morning, uh, Patricia. And you're welcome. How did this come to your attention? Uh, well, it, it, it did. It came to my attention recently in a conversation with a, a, a fireman, a part-time fireman, and uh, we were talking about work around the place. And what well, he said, you know, we find it very difficult to get work. 
And I said, how do you, you find it difficult to get work? Oh, when you go for an interview for a full-time job, you're, uh, you're immediately frowned upon when you mention that you're, um, that you're in the fire service. I said, I have to blame him. Uh, people trying to run companies, uh, implying a small number of staff. If one of their staff could go missing for a good number of hours, but then I think that's that's not the way we should be looking at things. And uh, I think he also kind of hinted that when you go for a job on the council, the, the, the same thing nearly arises. Which seems and, uh, bizarre when it's the council who run the fire service. Well, furthermore to that point, when we discussed it further, the point we came to the conclusion that in actual fact the council should be doing the very opposite, the opposite to that. They should be training their, 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 um, their staff, their general operatives, to be uh, part of the fire service, uh, like, or encouraging them anyway, you know? Mm. So that, uh, like, this, this situation should not arise. I mean, if we are going to have a fire service in the future in our towns, and if, 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 if you have people who are, who are now thinking about walking away from the fire service simply because they can't get full-time work, well, then we're in serious trouble. So uh, that is the best of that's the best way that. Yeah, that's and do you, do you believe if you know if that sort of word gets out, it will actually stop people coming forward to be to becoming a part-time firefighter? Well, obviously, it, it's 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 certainly a discouraging thing because it's. I mean, if you're especially if you're moving from job to job, and you'd like to get a full-time job in some place, and especially a full-time job local to your house or local to your home, and. It's not going to help you going to somebody and say, "Listen, I, I'm looking for a job there with you," and they'll then they say, "Sure, you're, you're with the fire service." I don't think you'll be much good to me for in that. And can That's- you understand why some employers might fear? You know, you mentioned a particularly smaller employment, smaller businesses that they might not have the cover for the staff when a member would have to head out for an emergency. Oh, I totally understand understand that, and I totally understand the employer's position. An employer, if you get an employer employing three or four or five people there, and one of them goes missing to a fire uh, with in the morning at 10 o'clock, he might get back until the day after. He's only had to find somebody to replace him for the day again. So there has to be a way forward around this business. Uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, and when, as I said, the council should be looking at a, at a way of, um, of training their own staff or doing something in that line anyway, I think. And this doesn't affect Cork City Fire Service. No, 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 they're full-time. They're full-time. They're full-time people. They're full-time employees. And uh, they go to work the same as anybody else. They're half their car and they're in there for the day for a full shift. And they're going home again that evening or that night when there's night shift. They go home the day after. And it uh, doesn't affect them at all at all. No, 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 no. And that isn't, that isn't an option in the county? No, the, the, the county are part-time. And of course, as well as that, uh, one, one, one of the other councillors brought up there last week or the week before, the fact that... There's some of these part-time firefighters, when they mention there that they are part-time firefighters, they find it very hard to get cover for the motor insurance cover for their cows. I was I was shocked. I, re- I read this in the paper uh, a few weeks ago, and the idea is that they would be rushing to a call, so the sure. motor insurance companies are kind of saying, "Oh, well, we won't cover you for that." Yeah, it's it's, it's they're loaded on account of that. Bizarre, yeah, yeah. bizarre. It's, it's, it's um no, it's it's, it's not um. I mean, it's not a nice situation we find ourselves in. And, uh, you know, uh, when you're looking for, I mean, we, we are, don't, of late, in latter years, they're finding community helpers around the place getting scarce and getting community spirit getting scarce, I think, from time to time. And this is very much a part of our community, the fire service. 
But what uh, I, you know, when I when I started thinking about this, when I knew you were coming on uh, today, you know, these firefighters are someone that we can all be so proud of for what they do for all of us. I mean, you would never want to have to need a fire service, but we never know when, God forbid, we could be in a car accident or something could happen to our home or our business or our workplace and it goes on fire and we need the service of the firefighters. Like, they're real heroes. There shouldn't be anything put in their way, any obstacle put in their way. And it's, it's, it's many, it's many, the, many the house are very thankful to see the fire brigade coming close to their home, you know, and when their, their family home was being burned down and, and, and lives were being saved, they have saved lives down through the years and saved them uh, in, 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 in nearly every town that we know. And, uh, and like when you mentioned the word hero, hero is, is a very fitting word for them because they're, um, they're, they're, uh, they have been heroes in my eyes down through the years, a lot of them, and, and, the, and the, what they do for all And we're, we're pretty much relieved that they are in our midst, that we have fire services and, and good. I mean, if you see the speed that they respond to a call, and they do it very efficiently, it is, um, like it, it's, it, like they, they are a credit to, to all, all, all the communities where they are in each town that we have them. Mm. And uh, I think that we, we, should be, we shouldn't make life harder for these people at all at all. And we, it should be made easier for them, in, in any, if anything. And as well as that, I think Councillor Ian Dyle, when he brought up this, this, this motion first day, he was on about that their pay conditions weren't great and that they, were, um, that they weren't being properly rewarded for what they do. So, yeah, like, I, the whole thing needs to be looked at. Oh, it has to be reviewed. And that's what I'm looking for, is a review of the fire service, in, in the, the part-time fire service in, in, the, in the country, because it's um, like when, you, when the pines they're making there now about uh, their, 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 their inability to get work, full-time work, and, their, um, and, and also that uh, their, 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 their problem trying to get car insurance. These things have to be looked at mm. and have to be examined and they uh, have to be treated within a fair way. Actually, you've just reminded me, I remember a number of years ago, I was in a restaurant in somewhere in West Cork and uh, suddenly the door from the kitchen burst open and this young lad came flying out and straight out the front door and you, we all kind of looked to see what was going on and I saw him jump into his car and he drove off and the waitress came and I said, is the young, oh, lad, yeah, yeah. Is the young lad okay? And there was Americans at the table beside us saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. is that young lad okay? And I, I thought maybe because we were by the sea, I thought maybe that he was, he was with the um, the coast guard or with the the lifeboats. And she said, "No, no, he's a he's a part time firefighter." Well, the Americans could not believe that he had just downed tools, yeah. and they were intrigued by this and just thought. And I'm sure they went back to the states talking about, "You won't believe what <laughs> happened to us in the restaurant." But it was just great. But I remember thinking, "What?" A, and he was only a young young man, you know, oh, in yeah, his yeah. early twenties. But just vum, he was gone, and everybody in the kitchen realized, "Vum, yeah, he's got the call," and, and he was yeah. gone. And again, that word hero jumped to my and you know, I said a little prayer saying keep him safe and all the crew as they sure. head out. All right, okay, listen, well done for raising it because I do think it's an issue that we need to address. It and the is, more we talk about is. these issues, the more they will get addressed. Listen, Joe, sure. thank you for that. Thanks, thanks for calling. Thanks uh, for joining bye-bye. us. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. That is West Cork uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Joe uh, Carroll on the plight of some of our part time firefighters. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862. 103, 103. With a reminder to you that this coming Friday is the Irish Cancer Society's Daffodil Day. Actually, we'll be doing a feature tomorrow on cancer on the programme and speaking with a cancer survivor and now a patient advocate with the Irish Cancer Society and just trying
trying to encourage people to be as generous as possible next Saturday, next Friday. Daffodils will be available from the volunteers who will be dotted right across the city and county and indeed all over the country, helping to raise funds for free cancer support services and of course also the life-changing cancer research that goes on on behalf of the Irish Cancer Society. And if you'd like to take part and donate, you can do so by visiting cancer.ie. It's uh, C103. Proud, very proud to be supporting Daffodil Day next uh, Friday. And good luck to everybody. We have so many volunteers who get involved in Daffodil Day and really give up their time. And we really do appreciate it. Now, in the last hour, we were talking about the part-time firefighters. And in particular, I was speaking with Councillor Joe Carroll about he had come across some firefighters in West Cork who were saying having difficulty getting work because the minute they mention their part-time fire firefighter, some employers are saying, ah, I don't know if I could have the cover available when you need to go out on a call and Joe also mentioned that it had recently been discussed at a council meeting that some part-time firefighters are finding it difficult to get motor uh, insurance cover and it actually got raised by a Fianna Gael uh, councillor, uh, Paul Murta because he happens to be a full-time firefighter but he's based in Cork City and of course the full-time firefighters are different, that's their their full-time job and it was he was the one that was claiming that he was aware of county part-time firefighters who some were finding it increasingly difficult to get motor insurance cover particularly to travel to the station for emergency call-outs and he said some insurance companies just simply don't want to insure them. Well Paul from a McCarthy Insurance Group was listening and he came on straight away to the programme and says that they have no problem insuring uh, firefighters and he says all firefighters are welcome to get their gar insurance from the McCarthy Group and they certainly would never penalise somebody who was a part-time firefighter seeing them as I said for what they are they really are heroes in protecting all of us so thank you Paul for uh, that. Now also when we were talking about the NCT and our listener who contacted us about her brother very nervous because he's got NCT at the weekend and he's a full-time carer for a family member and he's just nervous about getting COVID and wondering now because the mask mandate is gone what's going to happen when he goes to get his car tested and would it be possible for the person working in the NCT centre uh, to make to wear a mask as he's doing the the, the NCT on his brother's uh, car and as I say we have put an email out to the NCT we're waiting for them to get back to us but somebody else has been on to say that the NCT workers in Yall some he was there last week all of them were wearing uh, masks and there was no queue and there's a very good system in place so that this gentleman shouldn't in any way feel nervous about bringing his car to the NCT centre on Saturday turn up at the appointed time you don't go early because of course if everybody turns up early that's where you get a backlog of people five minutes before you're due to come and that everybody working in the NCT centres all seem to be wearing masks and gloves as well somebody else was pointing pointing that out too so thank you for people just to try to allay this gentleman's fears more than uh, anything Pat Infermoy on mask wearing says vulnerable people need to take more responsibility they need to be wearing the medical clinical grade quality mask that you can purchase from the chemist. The ordinary blue disposable ones are even the reusable ones that we're all used to and the ones we wash ourselves. They're not as effective. You need to get the ones. There are special medical grade quality ones that are a little bit more expensive but if you are medically vulnerable it's probably worth investing in those. Uh, John says people have stopped living by the rules. They're not testing anymore. Small businesses have no choice but to carry on even if they think they might have COVID at the moment and with so much of it out there. Even now, I was reading uh, an interesting piece earlier this morning that a lot of the experts, the immunologists, 
immunologists because there's so much out there at the moment reckons this is the peak of it. We always knew at some stage it would peak and obviously what's going to happen between people being vaccinated and people getting it, the herd immunity, we must be getting very close to herd immunity because so many people now are picking up COVID-19. So this could be the peak. It might start to the numbers may start to drop from next week and maybe, maybe we'll finally be able to say we have seen the back of it. Wouldn't that be great? On driver's licence, the listener was on to say, oh yeah, this listener was on to say he sent off his driving licence form, but he hasn't heard anything back. I'm wondering, is there a backlog? His licence has been due out since the 14th of March, but he sent everything off a couple of weeks ago, hasn't heard anything. Anybody else waiting on a driving licence? I haven't heard of a backlog because I did have somebody on Mick in Mallow who's going to keep us uh, updated as to when he gets his licence. But he, he said, Patricia, you spoke recently about the licence renewal. Yesterday I logged onto the website because you know they're trying to encourage all of us to do everything online and it's fine for people that are able to negotiate and navigate their way around a computer and if they have decent broadband and they're up to speed with the IT but it doesn't suit everybody but our Mick is up to speed with IT so he logged on yesterday. He had his MyGov public service card so he was able to do it online. So thankfully I have no medical issues, no site issues so there wasn't anything that he needed to submit form wise and he went through the procedure and Mick said they were even able to show him what his driving licence will look like with his lovely photograph included. Uh, 55 euro he had to pay and they said that'll be for the next 10 years he'll have his driving licence. It's expected his licence will be processed and he should have it within three to six working days and he's promised to keep us up to speed. So we'll know from Mick if there is any delays but he contacted us because he said he found it it was great absolutely great great uh, service and that's from Mick in uh, Mallow. So I don't know if anybody else is waiting for it and if Mick does get his within three to six days that means that there isn't a backlog which leads me to believe has something gone wrong with the listener who contacted us. I don't know how many weeks you're waiting so uh, maybe put a call through or send an email off if you've done it online which you I don't know if you did it online or did it to the post Um maybe just contact them just to see because I'm always fearful that you know some for whatever reason you can fall through the cracks and your application can go missing and that can happen for a whole variety of different reasons so maybe just check in with them if you've been waiting ex- an excessively long period of time but certainly I can't find anything but we'll put it out there to see is anybody else waiting an extra long period of time for a driving licence once everything has been sent in and everything is uh, correct. And then Avril from Douglas was on to say, morning Patricia, is there any further information on the €1,000 payment for frontline workers? Or has it all been forgotten about? And I don't know if Avril is in the group expecting to get the payment or not or has a family member waiting to get the payment. It certainly hasn't been forgotten about. It's still been spoken about. And I think the last I heard is to be paid out very soon. It's either the end of this month or very early in April. But I do know that the unions who are representing healthcare workers, they're accusing the government of making a right mess out of the COVID bonus uh, payment. Some are saying that the scheme now that has been put in place is unacceptable and unworkable and that there, it isn't an across the board €1,000 bonus, which I think when it was initially mentioned that's what it sounded like that anybody who worked as a frontline worker and then there was to and froing who was a frontline worker who wasn't a frontline worker 
but really anyone who was exposed to COVID, certainly in the early stages of the pandemic, it did look like all of them as healthcare workers would be receiving the 1,000 euro bonus. But when you now start to dig down through the scheme that has been put in place, and this is what the unions representing healthcare workers have started uh, to do, it's a it's on a pro rata basis. So it doesn't mean everyone's going to get a cohort will get the thousand, but it could be as low as for other frontline workers, it could be as low as two hundred euro. And I know the unions themselves are really up in arms about this because a draft plan has been circulated to the unions and it's showing that some people, as I say, will get as little as €200. Euro. How is it going to work? The what, According to the draft document, if healthcare workers, frontline healthcare workers who worked more than 55 weeks in a COVID-19 exposed environment between the 1st of March 2020 and the 30th of June last year. They and only they are the ones that will receive the €1,000. So basically, it's a kind of a, a year, it's not even, it's a little over a year. They'll have to have worked 50, they'll have to have done every single week of work almost during that period because you think in holidays and that will, will be taken into it because it's a little over a year. But they have to have worked 55 weeks or more in a covid exposed environment to get the €1,000 and then it drops down. People who worked between 41 weeks and 55 weeks, they'll get €800. If you worked 28 weeks and less than 41 weeks, they get €600. People working less than 28 weeks um, or more will get €400 and then I think it's people who worked 14 weeks or less in a COVID exposed environment will be getting the 200 So listen, there's people absolutely, unions are up in arms about it but by answer basically it's been a long winded answer for Avril. It hasn't been forgotten about. They're still kind of working on it but if you are one of those workers as I say not everyone is going to receive the 1,000 uh, euro. Oh, eight, well, if we get a date Avril on when it's going to be paid out we certainly will let you know 0862103103 you can text our WhatsApp. And another listener has been texting us there isn't a name on this and this is somebody giving out about doctors and if you need to go to a doctor's practice at the moment and I kind of say I don't know if this is for every GP surgery but this is the way this listener GP surgery is working. Hi Patricia I have a a, a crow to pick, or should that be a, a crow to pluck? I've never heard that. A bone to pick, a crow to pluck. Anyway, a crow to pluck with doctors at the moment. They say every day if you're sick, you should go to your doctor. But to me, that's fake news for sure. I am saying if you are feeling sick and you ring the doctor, the doctor won't see you unless you've taken an antigen test. My point is, if I'm feeling unwell and I'm living on my own, how am I expected to get an antigen test. And even if I get the negative antigen test, will the doctor then see me? If I'm positive, what happens? I'm allowed to go to the pharmacy to get any medication or whatever. So there's nobody caring about the pharmacy. The doctor seems to be the most important person. The point is, if I am sick, how can I go to a pharmacy? And yet the doctor will ask for 60 euro from, for my visit. For what? what? That's not a visit. OK, can I... I, I what, the, one, the one thing I would say about antigen tests is certainly have antigen tests in. I certainly have antigen tests and I've had to go through a lot of them of late because poor Marcia, bless her heart, keep keeps identified as a close contact so we're monitoring her all the time and if I'm going anywhere 
Like I was, I'm going out to dinner on uh, Friday night with a kind of a family group. There's 14 of us uh, going. We're all going to antigen test before we go. And it's, you know, it's kind of a thing we've all kind of agreed on. And I know a couple of weeks ago when I was out at the Pride of Cork Awards, certainly antigen test before I went and I antigen tested again a couple of days later. And as I say, I'm flying through them with Marsha. I seem to be antigen testing her every two days. Luckily, they're all negative so far, but with so much COVID out there, I would suggest what you do while you're feeling well, have an antigen test in and have an antigen test at home. As I say, I don't know if all GP practices are asking to do that because I can certainly speak for my own GP practice. I had to go there uh, recently and I certainly wasn't, I was asked if I had any symptoms and all of that and I had to turn up at the appropriate time and on time for my appointment and, you know, not turn up earlier or late and it was all done very well and I think, was it my, I don't know if my temperature was taken on the way in or not but I wasn't asked for an antigen, a negative antigen test but as I say, it does vary and it will vary from GP practice to GP practice. So, uh, they're doing a lot of the co- a lot of the work over the phone as well. Whether if that's of help, but anyway, this listener is just not happy with the way her doctor is working at the moment. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. C one zero three jobs with Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time, part time, and professional courses. Succeeding together with. M- the Sandfield Dental Practice in Mallow, they're looking for a dental nurse experience, would be preferred, although it's not essential. Email hello sanddental at gmail.com. General operatives wanted for Allied Profiles, that's in Mallow. CVs please to info at alliedprofiles.com. In Chidani Lodge and Spa, they've got vacancies across all hotel and spa areas. CV and cover letter please to E Shepherd at inchidoneyisland.com and Alps in Mill Street they're recruiting full-time general operatives email info at alps.ie to request an application form or you can call them on 029 30677 you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. Now, I think the entire country has been taken by the bravery and the honesty of former RTE correspondent Charlie Bird, who has shared with us all his battle living with motor neuron disease. Early next month, Charlie plans to climb Patrick which has led to a fundraising campaign called Climb With Charlie. Well-known and much-loved singer-songwriter Michael English has decided to lend his support to the campaign and he joins with me to chat more about it. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And great to talk to you. Oh, well, and great to talk to you. What is it about Charlie Bird's story that prompted you to act? Well, I think, like the whole nation, Patricia, when they saw Charlie on the Late Late Show and how he spoke so honestly and openly about his illness and I suppose not dwelling on his own illness but focusing on everybody else's uh, problems and illnesses and struggles and their mountains to climb. I think he really shone a light on on, on, on many, many things. I know the, the, the charity Climb with Charlie is donating all of the proceeds to Motor Neuron and Pieta House, which are two very worthy charities and very worthy causes. And I think it was just his 
as I said, his honesty and his openness about his own illness and not focusing on that, but trying to focus on others. It really struck a chord with, with everybody who mm. watched the interview, including me. And yeah. that's why I just wanted to get involved. Yeah, that first that that first one when he came out the first time was just utterly heartbreaking. And I think in hindsight now when he looks back and reflects, it was the best thing he did because it has literally shone a light on what he's going through. And as you say, he then wants to tell everybody else it's not just me so many other people are struggling at the moment he he really is incredible so tell me about your song is called Shine a Light there's there's a really good story about how this came about yeah I was watching the late late and uh, an hour or two afterwards I got an email from a lady I had never met before her name is Sarah Noonan and she's from County Galway just outside Ballinasloe and Sarah's own mother is struggling with motor neuron for the past number of years, so she has first-hand experience of dealing with a parent with the illness, and also, coupled with that, she has first-hand experience of how supportive the Irish Motor Neuron Association have been to the likes of, of her family. And so Sarah sent me a letter, and she wrote down some lyrics, and initially she just asked if I would put music to it so that she could play it for her mother. Oh. I was very, very struck by her letter and her email and her lyrics. And so I sat at the piano and I changed some of the lyrics with her permission and I wrote the music then and then arranged it at the piano and I sent it back to Sarah just so that she could play it for her family and her, her mother. And and then a couple of hours later again, then I was writing through the night, uh, I listened back to it and I thought there was something in the song that uh, we could do more with. And when I had it finished and listened back to it, I decided I would send it to Charlie and send it to his people who were involved with the whole campaign climb with Charlie. And immediately they got back to me then and they loved it and they adopted it as their, their song for the charity. So that's really, really how it came about. Um, it all happened very quickly. I suppose I wrote the song there and then. And then I sent it to the studio. They recorded it. And... Then the RTE Concert Orchestra heard it and they wanted to lend their support, so they played on it. <clears throat> and then I came up with the idea, <clears throat> rather than just me singing, and not to take away from Charlie's story, I thought it would be a great asset if we could get a choir, what we like to call the choir of colleagues together. And so I contacted people in RTE, and people like Joe Duffy and Ronan Collins and Eileen Dunn, who reads the news, and all of the news readers and weather people and all of Charlie's colleagues. Yeah, and people people he's worked with yeah, over the years. His yeah, and his colleagues in RTE. Yeah. And I put the choir together, and we recorded the song then with the concert orchestra and with the choir of friends and, and colleagues. And that's really, really how it came about. Everybody just jumped on board. It kind of snowballed from, from that night when I sat at the piano. Uh, everybody just wanted to lend a hand and uh, we're delighted with it and Charlie loves it, which is the main thing because he was the primary focus that we wanted to talk about his story and explain his story as much as we could in a sound. Um, and the the, um, the lyrics, I think, I hope they do that. It's, yeah, they're beautiful. It's, uh, both they're, they're beautiful. But Camille, go back, go back to the choir of colleagues for a minute. Mm. Are they all able to sing? Well, <laughs> I, watched, had, I was watching the video thinking I don't know if he's singing at all he's just, he's just miming <laughs> well actually I, I got a call from Marty Morrissey on Sunday 
Yeah. And he said to me, I never thought I would be asking you this, but how was our song jo- doing in the chart? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were all fantastic. And, yeah. and we augmented it with singers as well. Did you? Okay. okay. Yeah, but they all, they all, you know, they could hold a tune. And, Good. And, and they did a great job. And also tuning is a great thing as well. Uh, no, and, and I loved because the video was, the video itself is quite emotional as well because Charlie was there on the day. Yeah, it was a very emotional day. Charlie's a very strong person. And uh, Claire, his his wife, is, is his backbone, and yeah. his whole family are lovely people. But Charlie is strong himself, and his focus is the climb. But it was an emotional day when we recorded the song to see all his colleagues there supporting him and standing behind him. And and then when the music starts, of course, it's going to be emotional. But we got through it, and 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 Charlie was nice. And to to, to quote uh, Marty Morrissey, how is it doing? Well, it was number one last week. It went in straight at number one. Brilliant. Uh, so we're delighted about that. And we have to keep it there now. That's um, it. That's it's, the... um, it's, uh, I suppose people are supporting it. Hopefully they like the song, but also for the charity, because every cent of the song, everybody gave their services free. So every cent from the song, it's a download on iTunes or however you download your music. And when you download that for one euro, 29 cents. It's split 50-50 between Pieta House and, and Mortar Neuron and every every cent goes to the charity. Yeah, and the climb with Charlie is really t- it's, the, it's the first weekend in April, isn't it? That's Charlie's that's right. doing, yeah, doing, that's doing right. the climb. First Saturday, uh, yeah. Bless his heart. And, uh, and, you know, against all the odds he's going to do it as well, you know. I mean, I remember when he first mentioned it, I thought, oh my God, this is overly ambitious. But he's 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 got such great strength and, and I think you're right. I think, Claire, his wife is very much the wind beneath his his wings. Um, so you've done a great you've done a, a great job with the with the song. Will you do the climb yourself, Michael? Are you? I'm hoping to. Oh, yeah, yeah, well I, I done. Am, I am playing in in Donegal that night, which yeah. is another bit of a climb. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> I'll try my best. Well done, well done. Listen, we're going we're we're going to play it. But listen, thanks a million uh, for Thank joining us, and and well done to you. And um, pass on our best to Sarah as well, because it's it's a credit to her as well. But it's it's brilliant, and to everybody uh, who took part. Listen, uh, Michael English, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank you, and uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks to Michael English for taking time out to talk to us uh, today. Uh, and Denine says, Patricia, lovely listening to Michael English. Well done to him for the song for Charlie. The last time I met Michael was in twenty twenty when he played the piano and Antonine said I sang and we great fun well done Anne lovely song for Charlie and uh, Vicky my heart goes out to both of them and I'm praying for them and of course yeah Vicky Phelan has very much got involved with this campaign with Charlie as well and unfortunately uh, Vicky has already come out to say she was hoping to do the climb but unfortunately her health has gone uh, against her and she's not going to be able to make it but she'll be very much with them in spirit thank you for that and texting 0862 103 Okay, we're going to take a break and we're back discussing endometriosis. That's next. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Now, female Oireachtas members with endometriosis have called for more specialist centres around the country as the government commits to having just two clinics opened and that's not until the end of this year. This is despite 10% of women suffering from the condition. Fianna Fáil Senator Aaron Graham uh, was diagnosed with endometriosis in her late 20s and she joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Erin. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very, you're very welcome. It, it's shocking to think that so many Irish women suffer from this condition. I was really taken aback to see that it's as high as uh, 10%. So I suppose, can you start by explaining to people who don't know what endometriosis is? 
I suppose Andrew Bridge Joseph's um, is it's where the cells from inside your womb grow on the outside of your womb. So every every month that you would bleed, and those cells would you know you bleed on the outside of your of your womb. Um, so endo the outside as a, as opposed to in, in inside your womb. That that in itself causes you know growth on the outside of your womb, and then it causes inflammation, then scar tissue. And I suppose then the endometriosis can spread to other organs, and then the, the the scar tissue and the inflammation can spread to other organs as well, particularly your bowel, where you can find it's often find where you know bowels are attached to your uterus, or your fallopian tubes are twisted, or your oh. your you know there there's a there's a um it's a it's a complicated um and can very much uh depending on the condition. Some people have, you know, asymptomatic endometriosis and they and they don't and they don't know until they have unexplained infertility problems. And it, do, it have, yeah, and it does and can lead to fertility problems in some women. Can, yeah. Patricia, yeah. And the and the way you describe it, um Aaron anyone I've ever encountered that had a diagnosis, it's excruciatingly painful. Yeah, absolutely. And it really, really, it, it, well, it is, and it, and it has been for me. I suppose, you know, in my in my personal case, I remember experiencing pain in my early 20s. And, um, you know, it manifested, I suppose, maybe it's a really severe lower abdominal pain during my period. And then along with that, crippling lower back pain throughout the month. Um, and inflammation and your stomach swelling um, throughout the month. Okay, we're having difficulty with Erin's phone. It's not the best line under the sun. I don't know where she is. Can can are you can you hear me, Erin? We might be able to um, see if we can clear up that line because it's just breaking up. And I really do want to discuss this because, as I say, the fact that I was taken aback that so many women suffer with endometriosis and the way Erin is describing the pain side of it. There are many women suffering with it hasn't been diagnosed, don't, they don't realise it's endometriosis they're suffering from and a lot of people almost put up with it, you know, believing, oh, sure, that's my period pains are, oh, I've always suffered with heavy periods, I've always had very painful uh, periods and I think it might actually stop people going forward and see if we, is that a little bit better? You're back with us, Aaron. Good, yeah, yeah how that's are better. you? Sorry okay. about that. But that's okay. Okay, yeah, no, I was just saying the, the reason I want you back because I do think this is this is an important topic uh, oh, to address because I was making the point where, where we were getting you back online um, Aaron. there will be a lot of women suffering who don't even realise that they have endometriosis there's this thing of oh I just get heavy periods or I just get very painful periods I just have to put up with this and that's not the case Absolutely and and, and really painful periods is not normal and I suppose go back to my own personal case I had pain throughout the month which wasn't you know my stomach pain it wasn't lower abdominal pain it was it's lower back pain um, information of this throughout the month. So I never, I never, and I suppose to my shame, I never suspected anything, you know, gynecological wrong with me. I never expected that, you know, my lower back pain was got to do with endometriosis. Um, I thought, you know, maybe a bad mattress, I was driving too much, you know, maybe wasn't exercising, you know, poor posture. I was putting it down to so many other things in my life that, that, that wasn't, and until I had unexplained stomach pain, and I was brought to A and E, um, and I was complete was complete agony, and I had not, I had a sur- I had surgery. I didn't know what was wrong with me. They didn't find out what was wrong with me at that stage. But I suppose 
Patricia, I started, I went to Google, Dr. Google, <laughs> to find out, um, you know, what could be these symptoms. I started reading into, 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 my, into my symptoms a month long, kind of taking ownership of my own health. And I started thinking, gosh, maybe it is endometriosis. Maybe it's not. I don't. I don't need to go to get a, a colonoscopy or an endoscopy. There's nothing wrong with my kidneys. And I started, you know, being an owner of my own healthcare. And I got a gyne a gyne consultant who listened to me, who believed me, who said, right, I don't think you've endometriosis because you don't have all the symptoms, but I, there is something wrong with you. Let's find out. Let's you know. Let's investigate this. And when I was diagnosed, and um, my my consultant was. was was amazed. I he said I stage four endometriosis, and um, I was relieved, and I was also devastated because I didn't know what my future health, you know, outcomes were going to be. You know, I wanted to have children. You, you read up all these all this information. You know, endometriosis causes infertility, and it just co- it causes so much anxiety and pain, pain, and along with mental health issues because you don't know where you're going in all of this. It's a lonely, dark road because you live with this chronic pain and you are worried and afraid about your fertility issues. But I'm really glad, and it is really positive news because um, that we do have two specialist clinics now in the country. And you know it shows the commitment that this government has to women's health. There's an increase in budget from, I think, $4 million for women's health a couple of years ago to $31 million in women's health now in first two years of this government, we've had four menopause clinics in there. We're having two endometriosis clinics. Um, and yes, we want more. Always we want more. We want more resources. Um, but this, but at least is a, this at least is, is, is a, a start. Because, start. Because, Erin, once it is diagnosed, is there then treatment available? And what is well, the treatment? Suppose, yeah, I suppose, well, there's a, there's a there different types of treatment. So for me personally, there, I had a laparoscopy surgery um, I had the endometriosal cells ablaze and lasered off my where it shouldn't be, um, and, and 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 scar tissue removed from my organs. So it's, that's one. That's the upper. That's the that's the physical treatment where you, where you go in and get surgery. And you know you have you know pain medication. You also have you know the marina coil, which will prevent your period, prevent you you know having your period, and the pill. All these things prevent because once you're not menstruating every month you're not bleeding so you're not bleeding into those cells and technically it's not it might not be getting any better it mightn't be improving but it's not but it's helping it's 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 helping do you believe do you believe gps need more training in this condition absolutely um women are 51 percent of our population 51 or 52 percent of our population so GPs need to be on the front line at our public health services, understanding what endometriosis is, the, the, the lots of different um, symptoms of it. You know, for me, it was month long. I didn't have heavy periods. I didn't. I didn't suspect there was anything gynecological wrong with me whatsoever. And um, so you have to be able to uh, think, think on the whole, per- the person as a whole, and be educated and empower our GPs. To have those diagnostic tools, to have that test, that you know, that toolkit, to be able to help their patients, and also now, thankfully, we have two specialised endometriosis clinics um, available. There is now also a, going to be you know twenty new ambulatory C, C and three clinics all across the nation. Twenty, twenty of these where it's going to 
transform how women women um, outpatient outpatient um, to to gynae cl- clinics will be seen. So they'll be seen and treated treated in one day. It's a whole new process and whole new way of treating and seeing women and, and looking at them as a as a as a as an entire person and not mm. just a, on the conveyor belt because you know obviously women have have, have very specific health needs and specific um gyne- gynecological needs. It's really important that we're opening the doors, opening our minds as well. You know, I really do think that our young our young women need need to be empowered. I ne- we never spoke about periods when we were younger. We just got it all the pain. All of that was just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it was the point I was making earlier. It's like, oh, you have to put up with that. It's just, you know, that's yeah. in the family, heavy periods and pain. For pe- yeah, it's just women's lot. Yeah, you just you, you just put up with it because I think women need to be listened to as well. And when they go into to doctors and consultants and gynecologists with symptoms, they need yeah. to be listened to and believed because a lot of women will say nobody listened to me. You know, I, I kept getting fobbed off. And, and I'm wondering, just as we finish up to anybody listening, Aaron, who can very much identify with your story and what you've been through and perhaps are going through it at the moment. What, what do you say? What do you say to them if they feel they're not being listened to? Well, first of all, the Mitchell's Association of Ireland, read up on it, learn about their and, and take a take a diary of their pain symptoms, write it down, the, the time of the month or what 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 way what way they're their, their month is going for them and, and their pain and their cycle. I would then, you know, go to their GP, talk about, it, say, you know, I heard about this segment on the radio. I want to, I want to, you know, maybe get this investigated further. You know, maybe their GP will send them to one of those new 20 ambulatory, you know, stay and treat clinics. Maybe that consultant might refer them to a, to a specialist guy, uh, endometriosis clinic, the Coombe here in Dublin. Um, and for me, who has endometriosis, I and I used to live in Galway. I you you would travel to Dublin <laughs> I know, I know. for now. Now we do need one in Cork and we do need one in Galway, but you would travel. There is the best consultants in the Croom Hospital and the and, and specialists in this area. And you know we are we are changing the way we look after our women women look after women's health. And there is a there is an open door now. GPs have a place now to refer their patients to. Before they didn't have that, they were sending them like refer them, refer them to a to a, a general gynae clinic and the you know the doors might not have been the right doors not might not have been opened. Now you're gonna be getting investigated by specialists. Uh, yeah, and and the good news no. is when when we mentioned that there's a new clinic to open, it's to open here in Cork at the at the University Maternity Hospital. Now it'll be the end of the year, but that yeah. is on track to open. Absolutely, and you know, even to know that for me as an endometriosis sufferer, sufferer it is so important that this condition for me is now it's acknowledged as a chronic pain, as something that I that should be talked about should be listened to and that, that it has been recognised as important and serious enough that we have these specialist clinics. Yeah, well and for me that's, bright, that's a breath yeah, of fresh and air. Well, and well done to you for speaking out about it as well because I think too often we just seem to brush women's issues under the carpet and uh, it's time to come out from under that carpet and talk about it. Okay listen Erin we have to leave it there. Thank you for that. I really appreciate you taking time out to join us today. No. 
Thank you. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is Fianna Fáil Senator Erin McGrahan, who, as I say, herself was diagnosed with endometriosis when she was just at 29. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text some WhatsApps are also welcome at 0862. 103-103. Our Premier League live show with Trevor Walsh powered by Talk Sport. Now they're taking a break this weekend but it is back with us on Saturday April the 2nd where you can get ready for live commentary from the biggest games plus of course all of those exclusive interviews with Premier League live uh, returning to c103.ie. The Premier League live online would now stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership and you can listen on Saturdays as I say taking a break this week we're back on Saturday April the 22nd on the C103 app or you can go to c103.ie Now some of your commentary coming in to us thank you to Martin Wally Martin is with the Cork Lions uh, Club and he's been on and he just wants to say a big thank you to everyone who supported the Cork Lions Patrick's Hill ball run now I saw this up on social media and it looked like a hoot and a great bit of fun and uh, Martin and his text said that a huge turnout on the hill and they're still sorting through the sales sheet to find out who the winners uh, are and they'll be in contact with the people who have uh, won and once they've it all totaled up how much they've raised they'll be able to let us know later on in the week how much they've actually raised but it's looking like they've raised over €10,000 for the Ukrainian appeal which is a terrific sum of money and they want to thank everyone and they also say that they hope to see everybody back next year for the Cork Lions Patrick's Hill Ball Run so take a bow if you took part or went along to that. We mentioned doctors earlier on and somebody was moaning the fact that trying to get into her GP she needs to have a negative antigen test and she says you know if you're sick and what if you don't have an antigen test at home are you expected to go out sick to the chemist and buy the antigen test and what if you had COVID you'd be spreading the COVID along the way she's just bemoaning the fact that it can be hard on some GP practices to get in to see a GP and of course at the moment as well with the amount of COVID that's out there I mean GPs are trying to do their best as well not to spread any more GP particularly through their practice because if all the doctors end up picking it up and they're all out sick so you can imagine they're doing everything to try to to keep everybody safe but that isn't suiting everybody but somebody says Patricia I was listening to me mentioning that this listener says I rang South Dock last night for my son who was sick only to be told there was no doctor on duty now I ended up getting my own GP uh, this morning uh, and then doing a bit of further investigation at her own GP this morning was told South Dock is only for emergency only but sure if you're you're, 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 you're sick and you need a doctor yeah, I don't quite understand that. I thought it was when you need access to a GP at night that, I mean, most people will wait to see their own GP. So if you're contacting Southstock, you assume you're a bit panicky and that it is a kind of an emergency in your household. I don't know what was wrong with your son, so hopefully he is on the mend. But just to let other people know that, that if they are trying to access South Dock that it is for emergencies only and I certainly wasn't aware of that. Now we've been talking about driving licences this morning because we've had some people who are waiting to get a driving licence and actually somebody was waiting a number of weeks. I've just spotted somebody else was on to us, Bridget was on to us uh, to say she sent off for her driver's licence over four weeks ago as well. It, like the previous caller who contacted us, it's out of date at the end of uh, this month and she's heard nothing back. So there does seem to be some kind of a delay. I might get Bernie to send an email off to NDLS just to see what kind of a backlog is there on people who are posting off and we did have 
Mick who went online and he's been told three to six working days and he's promised to get back to let us know as soon as he receives his uh, driver's licence but maybe there's just a flood of people sending off for driving licence at the moment and that can happen sometimes if too many come in. We'll send off an email to NDLS and just see what kind of a waiting list that they have. But listen to this from one of our listeners again to do a driving licence. My father's driving licence is out of date. It's been out of date since last week the 18th of March and the earliest appointment I was able to book online is for the 31st of March. By the way, says this listener, I went online to book the appointment for my dad in the first week of March. I called into the NDLS driving licence building in Skibbereen the week before last in person just to see was there any way of getting an earlier appointment in order to renew the dad's driving licence and obviously dad is of that generation who doesn't want to be driving around with an out of date driver's licence. The only person in the building was the one young woman who was working for the NDLS. No customers, nobody at the desk, nobody waiting and there wasn't even a car in the car park. I asked if my father could just call in with all of his paperwork but unfortunately she said no, it's strictly by appointment only. So I said, look, the earliest appointment I was able to get was the end of March and she said, yes, we're fully booked out. And I looked around the empty building and said, but there's nobody here. And she said, yeah, her first three appointments that morning never showed up. And she said, it's happening all the time. People make the appointment then they realise they can do it all themselves online and they don't bother cancelling the appointment. So the guard is sitting in an empty building and people like my father have to wait weeks for an appointment. It is ridiculous. And by the way, my mother was waiting four weeks for her new driving licence to arrive in the post and that was back in February. So it does look like you know, they're not getting them out in four to six working days uh, for sure. But that's frustrating, isn't it? You've got somebody who eagerly wants to go in and get their licence already, paperwork ready. And then you have people doing no shows. So please, if you make an appointment with the NDLS because... They are really, really scarce at the moment because so many people are trying to get in because of all the backlogs that were created due to the pandemic. And if for whatever reason, you then find that like Mick from Mallow who was saying what an easy procedure it was to do it online and you decide to do it yourself, would you just have the common decency to go back and cancel the appointment so that that appointment can be handed out to somebody else. It really is very, very frustrating. Now, a couple of people are commenting on uh, refugees and the refugees, God help them, that are coming into this country. There's some lovely photographs of children, you know, some of the, the children, um, you're hoping the children are just seeing it as a great big adventure and that they won't be too traumatised by what has happened in their country. And there's gorgeous pictures in the paper of a lot of refugees arriving here in Cork and so many people have been so kind and so welcoming and as, as is only right when, when you look at what these people have gone through and the lengths that they've had to, to get through to get to a safe haven and uh, for all of them they just want to go home so let's hope they'll be able to go home sooner rather than later but some people are just worried about the amount of refugees coming into this country like Ivy in Tupot House listening to Simon Harris who was on our news was talking about that they are looking at one of the options of using student accommodation for the refugees during the summer months when the student accommodation is empty but she says what happens in September when the colleges start back well I think that's exactly the point Eileen at the moment all of the student accommodation is full all of the students are in but come May all of those students head home and then the student accommodation is empty for part of May but certainly June, July and August so I think the theory that they're looking they're looking at every available bed space they can lay their hands on so they're talking about in the summer months so obviously of course it would then be available come September when the students are ready to head back to uh, college. Martin in Mitchellstown is also making a good point when we've been talking about some people having difficulty accessing their doctor's 
and we know that if somebody new to an area, if you're trying to get into a GP practice, it can be difficult. And particularly if you're on a medical card, it can be diff- difficult because most of the GPs are full and they don't have any more uh, spaces to take on any additional uh, patients. And Martin in Mitchellstown is thinking about that, said, how will we manage with if the 100,000 refugees do come to this uh, country, how will we manage with doctor's appointments? Is that going to be an issue? Yes, um, absolutely it is. But, you know, I'm assuming it's something that the Department of Health, all of the different departments are working on it, but I'm assuming that it is uh, something that is certainly been worked on. And just on the medical cards, and we know that the refugees that are arriving with no financial means, and literally some of them are arriving with the clothes on their back and don't have any savings, or, you know, they're not coming from a very wealthy country at the end of the day. Somebody says I'm over 70 and I can't get a medical card as my income is 12 euro over the threshold and then we've got the Ukrainians getting them without any questions asked. You see, that kind of an attitude I have to say annoys me and I have sympathy for you not being able to get a medical card when you're only 12 euro over the threshold. It does seem really, really unfair and I always have sympathy for anyone going for any kind of a a means-tested payment and they're just outside. It's just, it's cruel. It is, is absolutely cruel. But I don't think any of us can compare like with like with the Ukrainians that are coming into this country. At the end of the day, we can be thankful that we go to bed at night and there isn't a bomb going off and you're not lying in your bed waiting for an air raid siren to go off so that you've got to run to the nearest bunker. You're then in that nearest bunker and you come out of it after the airstrike to discover that your your home is gone. It's been flattened. Everything is, has been taken from you. We are living in a very, very different uh, country that we can be very, very thankful for. And at the moment, we need to extend the hand of friendship and compassion and humanity to these people. They are war refugees. This is very different to any other economic, I mean, people give out about economic refugees who come to this country and people who come for political asylum and, you know, the whole process that they have to go through. This is very, very different. We are reacting to a humanitarian catastrophe and we, you know, I just, I get annoyed when I see people say, oh, you know, they're giving it all to the, ref- to, to, to the Ukrainians. They're going to come and take all of our jobs. And they're not. And some of them will want to work and willingly will want to work. And remember, we have a jobs crisis in this country that we don't have enough workers. So there will be people, certainly Ukrainians, more than willing to roll up their sleeves and get involved in, and get stuck in. But these people want to go home. None of them want to be in this country. They're thankful that they're here. They're, they're fleeing with their children, with babes in arms. I mean, I saw a, a couple who got off one of the buses that arrived back in into Cork, a, a woman with her children. She had her grandparents with her and you could see the grandfather was just so upset, didn't want to leave his country. He was probably harangued by the family to get on to the bus to make sure that he, w- he would be safe. And only this morning, I mean, just stop and think what's going on in Ukraine before we criticise anything that's been given to these people when they come here. I read this morning and I just nearly broke my heart about a 96-year-old Ukrainian man by the name of Boris Romanchenko. He survived concentration camps during World War II. He even survived one of the concentration camps, one that we would know very well, the famous Bergen-Belsen. He'd been in four concentration camps during his young life, survived them all, including Bergen-Belsen. And he was killed last night by a Russian shell that hit his flat in Kharkiv. The multi-storey apartment uh, building was shelled and it caught fire and he was killed. And it was just, 
it broke my heart when I saw it and a picture of the man was put up that was taken at one of the commemorations of Bergen, I think it's Bergen Belson, but he's standing there in doing a, almost like a reenactment. He's outside one of the gates of one of the concentration camps and he's wearing one of the striped, remember the boy in the striped pyjamas? He's wearing one of the striped overalls that they were forced to wear inside in the concentration camps and his picture is taken. I don't know how many years ago this was uh, taken, but it was put up by one of the Ukrainian government officials, put up the picture just so that people would remember this man, 96 years of age, age, survived four Nazi concentration camps and then he was killed at the weekend by a Russian bomb hitting his house and killing him. And, you know, the Ukrainian government official said it's an un speakable crime. He survived Hitler and he's been murdered by Putin and it just it broke my heart and they are I mean if that man, if we could have gotten that man onto a bus and brought him home to Cork, who would, who would have begrudged that man having a medical card? Nobody, nobody. So just, I'm just as I say and, and I know, I know people are struggling and I know people find it hard and it's and, and and but this attitude of them versus us there's, there's no them versus us this is a war situation and we need to look after them Let's just end off end off uh, 0818 103 103 Bernie is taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie now, uh, Raha National School, they are fundraising to extend the play area and to create a biodiversity trail. You asked to please support the raffle, which is going to take place on Friday the 8th of April. Tickets are available from Raha National School or you can log on to idonate.ie forward slash fundraiser forward slash Rahan National School Sports Development Fund. The Ballandangan players are presenting Ladies of Spirit. That's in Ballandangan Community Centre. It runs from tomorrow, Wednesday, 23rd to the following Sunday, the 27th, 8 o'clock each night with tickets €10 and it's €5 for children. They're available from 085-607-9251. And Kildallery Community Development, they've got their weekly lotto draw. It's happening on Thursday at four in the community office with a j- jackpot this week of two thousand seven hundred uh, uh, euro. And Ballinacarrig National School, Randall OGAA, they will hold a vintage tractor and car run. It's happening next Sunday. It'll leave from the GAA dressing rooms with registration opening at half past eleven. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And by the way, remember the C103's uh, play for 4K. We are guaranteeing that we are playing this by close of business tomorrow, the 23rd of uh, March. You're listening for four songs played back to back in the correct order. Being Queen, It's a Kind of Magic, Dermot Kennedy's Giants, Madonna's Like a Prayer and the fourth, the important fourth song, Elton John, Dua Lipa, Cold Heart. When that kicks in, when we start playing that, that's when you need to get dialing and be caller 103 to win four grand. Have the number in your phone already as what I suggest you do 0818 103 103 that's the C103's foreplay for 4K it's with McCrew Motors where your journey to electric begins with the full range of Toyota self-charging hybrid vehicles you can see McCrewmotors.com and stay listening to win 4,000
thousand euro only on C103. And thanks to John who has messaged. And I was wondering, would anybody contact us about uh, this? And this is to do with the announcement by the Minister for Agriculture. John says the Minister for Agriculture has announced that he's going to give aid of up to four hundred euro per hectare for uh, any extra grain growing. It's simply a non-runner. Why, says John? Because the costs of ground preparation and seed costs and fertiliser cost and diesel costs are far beyond the €400 per hectare. Chagas knows this, so why are we not getting the figures correct? I was wondering because I don't... didn't fully, I wouldn't fully have a clue as to what it takes to start growing grain. So I was wondering how farmers were going to react uh, to this because it's making all of the papers uh, today, this subsidy. John is right, it's worth up to. So it's up to John as well. That doesn't mean every farmer is going to get €400 for every extra hectare of land they use to grow crops uh, this year. And of course, we know there are huge fears around a fodder shortage as a result of what's happening in Ukraine. Now, we can expect more details about it today because the the cabinet are expected to agree. They'll set aside more than €12 million in total and that will be in direct payments to farmers. And what they're hoping is that farmers will grow an additional 25,000 hectares hectares they want them to grow barley oats and wheat crop this year and it is important because we are going to have shortages because we rely here in this country on around 14% of all of our grain requirements for animal feed that directly comes from the Ukraine. We also get 20% of our fertiliser needs from the Ukraine and obviously the crisis in Ukraine has had an impact on Irish agriculture and supply chains. The pig and poultry sectors they're already under huge financial pressure because they have such a reliance on grain and energy and the National Fodder and Food Security Committee, they're meeting today for the second time to discuss this ongoing drive to try to ramp up the sowing of crops because this got mentioned a couple of weeks ago, almost at the start of the war in Ukraine, it got mentioned that farmers would have to be incentivized and some kind of a subsidy given to them in order for them to grow more crops. So it looks like they're trying to put meat on that particular package. But according to John, as I say, and I'm assuming, John, from your text that you're a man in the know, that even if the full €400 Euro was given per hectare, it's not going to be enough because of getting the ground ready, all the seeds you'd have to buy, the fertiliser and, of course, the ongoing issue with diesel costs. Thank you for your text, John. We'll keep an eye on this, as I say, and see what comes out from today because it's expected that the Cabinet will sign off on it. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862. 103 103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Joe Heffernan joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. And today we are setting the agenda because a listener has contacted you because she phoned you because she's feeling lonely. Yeah. Do, do you think that there are more people feeling lonely as a direct result of the pandemic? For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking to a cousin of mine um, earlier this morning and um, she was feeling pretty good but has a positive test uh, for the COVID. Who doesn't, Uh, says you? Yeah. So many people, yeah. So she taught me she's sitting there looking out the window and reading a book and um, 
you know, uh, uh, that would be a lady now who likes to socialise and would travel to see um, other cousins and relatives. And um, that's just one clear example of a person being cut off, as it were, by this horrible old um, uh, uh, virus. And um, <clears throat> I read a course recently that um, in a time where we have constant contact online, people are lonelier than ever. I, 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 that resonated very much with me, Patricia, mm. that, um, you know, even recently now, um, you know, this kind of, I call it being pushed online, online, online about everything. It's getting impossible um, to speak to a human being without going through seven or eight um, menu choices. Um, you know, God be with the days when if you phoned a place like someone answered the phone. Um, uh, I, I <laughs> That's a particular bugbear of mine. Yeah, and they mightn't have always solved the problem, but at least you spoke to a human being. Whereas yes, when yes. you're you're choosing option one, two, three and four and you're on hold and you're getting nowhere or it's all online, it works for some people. It doesn't work for 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 And everybody. I think us older people, I mean, I'm still back in the dark ages now when I get a bill for the phone or whatever, um, I send a cheque. And um, that apparently is rather quaint now. <laughs> and... Um, uh, as well as that, um, I can get charged an extra twenty euro for late payment. Now, the letter that I'd get and I did get yesterday, the twenty first, was dated the tenth. So it was dated the tenth. I got it on the twenty first. I immediately sent back a check, which will probably, uh, you know, uh, go through its own course before it gets to where it is, uh, where it should be, and then. I can get fined 20 euro for late payment. That's, an- uh, you yeah, know. that's annoying. Yeah. And gone are yeah. the days where you could go in somewhere and hand in the money over the counter and pay for something. Yeah. But we, yeah. won't, we, we, we won't go into that. This is modern yeah. life yeah. and we have to unfortunately move on with it. Yeah. But there is a difference as well between loneliness and people enjoying, you know, solitude. Isn't Absolutely. There? Yeah. Um, I read a quotation recently by a person called May Sarton and loneliness is the poverty of self, solitude is the richness of self. So, um, just because we are on our own, as it were, for a day or whatever, um, that might be our choice, and we might be very, very happy. You'd hear people saying, um, I'm very happy in my own company. Now, that's a different thing to loneliness, because I think solitude could be described as a choice, Whereas loneliness is imposed on one. Yeah, and you'll hear of people who live, uh, lucky enough to live in a very busy household, will say, God, I got an afternoon at the house to myself. And yeah. it was fantastic. But that's, yeah. that, that is very different. Do you believe yeah. that loneliness impacts on somebody's physical um, and uh, obviously emotional health, but on their physical health? Apparently, it's very, very uh, proven um, scientifically um, that... Um, uh, the former Surgeon General of the United States um, labelled loneliness as a killer, posing a greater threat to health than obesity, and its life-shortening effects comparable to a person who smoked quite a lot. So, you know, 
it can set in motion um, uh, apparently damage um, uh, to uh, you know uh, blood pressure um, cognition also dulls I suppose um, a bit of conversation stimulates us and keeps us thinking um, and immune systems apparently can be ravaged by loneliness and until I was researching um, in a little bit deeper um, way about loneliness, I didn't realize really um, how much damage uh, can be done. Apparently, arteries um, can tighten. It raises the risk of heart disease. Um, it can affect uh, quality of sleep. And um, people who are lonely can uh, have reported uh, a lot of daytime fatigue. Yeah, because obviously they're not sleeping well at night, so then they're yeah. sleeping during the day. Yeah. And you, you straight away thinking that's going to lead to depression and bouts of, of depression. And I mean, we, in this country, we we, we we do have a loneliness, or we did have a loneliness task force. They looked into loneliness. Yes, this came up some years ago. I remember we talked about it one time on the programme too. Um, and uh, uh, this doctor who was being quoted in, in that article um, uh, would have said that people people would be quite ashamed in his um, surgery uh, to say, well, actually, I'm lonely. Um, he was saying that, like, that people would nearly prefer to say that they were depressed than to say um, that they were lonely. That was a Dr. Swanick um, uh, so, um, and and I suppose as well um, that uh, doing something about it. I, I read about a seventy-one-year-old man um, uh, who um, uh, was being visited by people from that great organisation alone, and um, you know he. He enjoyed a weekly chat with someone who called, but he also helped out uh, on being um, advised, you know, to uh, uh, to volunteer, helped out at a running club um, and a bit of charity work. And I was reading about a lady who was uh, following the death of her partner, uh, was feeling extremely cut off from the world and lonely. She decided she'd venture into the local library and the librarian suggested that she might be interested in the local history group. Uh, and that actually met the next evening, and she went, and she became very active in it. And uh, and that answered a need, you know. I, I suppose, Patricia, the examples of how this loneliness can uh, arrive at our door... Um, if one loses a partner or someone close, yeah, yeah. Um, to go through a relationship breakup, um, you know, to retire and lose the social contact you had at work. Um, I can remember very clearly when I used to work in the student counselling in UCC, you know, you'd meet someone and you'd go off for a coffee or if you only walk down the stairs, you'd meet someone and have a chat. And I miss that a lot when I um, when when I retired from the UCC job, um, the bit of camaraderie, etc., um, uh, wasn't there anymore. 
Um, well, and I think when people were forced to work from home in the early stages of the pandemic, the, you know, the, the start was a novelty. But the amount of people that said that, the, the water cooler moment, meeting in the canteen for the cup of coffee and just passing somebody in the hallway and the quick chance, the, the quick chats, they were all taken away from people when they were forced to work from home. And they're small, Absolutely. they're small things, but, yeah. they're, but, but, they, but they're important things. And it's funny when, you know, you're talking about um, a loan, the charity loan and loneliness. I always think of Paddy O'Brien, the wonderful Paddy O'Brien, yeah. great, great advocate yeah. for, for older, pe- older people. Yeah, and he, the older 60. Yeah, and, um, and he never classes himself as an older person himself, but he's an advocate yeah. on behalf of older people. But he yeah. would have started his work with the over 60s back in the day because yeah. of loneliness. So like it isn't a new phenomena. It's always no, it's, like it's and, always and, been you know, there. And a mistake that can be made too is that it would be associated kind of like solely with older people. And it's because, not. well, in recent years, especially, I mean, students in college, they weren't really in college. They were sitting in front of a, a laptop um, looking at a, a, a screen um, uh, for their lectures and everything else. The 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 usual advice in college would be join a society, join um, this, that, or the other thing, and uh, and and have a social life. Um, whereas that went out the door completely, and um, you know there were people who were going to colleges that they had never really been in. Um, amazing. I I think young people have had a very very tough life, extremely tough in the last few couple of years. Yeah, but I think, but I, th- I do think you're right on the volunteering and to, mm. to get out there and, and to get active. Somebody has just said that they spotted, they saw a sign. Uh, I, I remember this texter, I remember seeing a billboard a few years ago and it had a picture of an older man and it read, it read old age isn't the problem, loneliness is. Like this yes. got to me and it stuck with me uh, since. And if you are able bodied and able to get out, there, there's an onus on us and you are feeling lonely there's an onus on us ourselves to, as you say to do that volunteering I'm always saying we've got fantastic charity shops so we're always looking for volunteers to go in and maybe give a couple of hours inside in the charity shop I know the Society of Vincent de Paul we've been running ads for the Society of Vincent de Paul saying they're looking for people to become volunteers you know Get involved. Get get Absolutely. get stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as as it said in what I was reading, uh, put your hand out to someone and say a kind word, and it can do both of you wonderful um, uh, good. Um, I, I I remember a quote from the CEO of um, Alone. Sean um, Moynihan. Exactly. Great man. Yeah. That volunteering is one of the best things we can do for our health. Yeah. If you, will you speak to anyone who's a Samaritan? Over the years, I've I've interviewed many wonderful people who've been Samaritans on the phone line, and obviously that's all voluntary work. And I've got so much respect for them because they do night shifts and everything, you know, the, and yeah. they give up their their time. And you know, you'll ask them, you know, because that can be tough work. And, and as you know from the element of from the work that you do, that can be tough work at, at times. And yeah. every single one, I don't think I ever had one who didn't say that what they get back from it is tenfold to what they feel they give. Absolutely. I mean, if you remember some years ago, and we'll mention it again sometime in, in a wider way, oxytocin, the um, the feel-good um, neurotransmitter chemical for the brain, which apparently is stimulated by 
doing something for someone else. So mm. um, when you do something uh, for another, with, for example, volunteering, um, whatever the recipient of the voluntary uh, act uh, uh, gets, the giver gets at least as much and yeah. leads a happier yeah. life. I saw, yeah, there was a survey out recently, it was only last week, about kindness and the acts of kindness, that mm. it's the person doing the act of kindness rather than the person receiving it gets the brain, they get the benefit from it. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Okay, listen, as always, uh, great to talk to you. Stay safe and look after yourself and we'll chat again next Tuesday. And but, likewise. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Boho Boys, number 086 Four eight one four five. Uh, somebody says, Patricia, would you give a quick shout out, please, to a charity fashion show in Aragon Community Centre? It's going to be on Friday, the twenty fifth of March. This Friday, half past seven, with all proceeds going to the Blackwater Subaqua Search and Rescue. Tickets are twenty euro, and they can be purchased at Hickey's in Formoy our O'Reilly's Pharmacy in Formoy That's where I leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 until then I'm Patricia Messenger a very good afternoon When you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.